Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, it's part two. Part two of a really fun conversation. Yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> Listener, if you have not heard part one, please go back and listen to that. I don't normally say, hey, listen to that before this. But I mean, these are both independent. However, Kim- They're connected. They are They're connected, absolutely. absolutely. Connected. So yeah. this is podcast 82 we're doing today. And the the previous one is 81, of course, because you know they go in order, we generally. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, we talked about my trip to Africa and my experience with the girls and the boys clubs through Global Sojourns Giving Circle. Mm -hmm. Which is tied to another podcast. Yes, the podcast, a podcast, and I don't know the number. I really need to look this up, but like uh, ago, it was, it was literally the beginning of January of 2022 when that came out. So I spoke with Priscilla Plummer in December and her podcast released in January. And she has the, she is a founder of the most amazing organization. They work with girls in Southern Africa and they also have boys clubs as well. And they, these boys are learning to respect women mm -hmm. and respect their education. And as you might imagine, um, you know, teenage, you know, very young pregnancies are, yeah. are very frequent there. Yeah. Um, it's important to, to teach respect between the two genders. It's amazing. Yeah. And we, and we listened to a clip of a young woman reciting some poetry, spoken poetry, which was fantastic. And the passion and the strength, you know, that she had during that, uh, yeah. as she was reciting that, that's a testament to the program overall, just because their confidence level goes through the roof, like you said. Whew, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And, you know, today, I want to talk more about the conservation work in yeah. Southern Africa. And it is connected to to these girls clubs as well. And I'll, I'll okay. talk about that a little bit. But, you know, you go to Africa, it's kind of mandatory to do game drives. And you know, that's <laughs> what they call them game drives, even if you're just going for photos, right? Okay. It's, it's very interesting that we, we learned that many of the locations in Hwange National Park are, you know, they have, they, they provide um, land for people to open their facilities, right? Concessions, they call it a concession. And many of those are hunting lodges. Mm. Many of them over the last couple of years have been shifting to photo safaris or the game drives without the hunting. Okay. Now it's, it's difficult because when hunters come, which I, I just can't deal with, but you know, yeah. uh, you know, they, they pay a lot of money 
And so these photo safaris are are not as big of a moneymaker for yeah. them. But they've been talking to them uh, about conservation, what happens if we kill all of the elephants and mm-hmm. you know all of that stuff. So it's you know it's been interesting to to hear that particular piece as well. And in terms of sustainable investing, conservation of course is a huge issue. And looking at that and also, as we talked about the, the women's and girls issues in the, in the previous podcast. So all of these things are, our whole lives are connected in so many different ways. So let me just tell you about, I'm going to talk about the conservation piece a lot here, but when we first went out to Victoria Falls National Park, that was the first place we did a game drive. We were led by a man whose name is Charles Brightman, and he has been doing this since the 90s, not only leading trips out into the wilderness, but he started the anti-poaching organization in that park. So they go out every day. There's like 15 or 17 members of the anti-poaching unit. Mm -hmm. But they go out every day and look for snares that have, you know, been hung by poachers to catch the animals and and they will kill them. He had some pretty amazing photos that were kind of hard to look at, you know, in terms of what that does to these animals. And so our job when we went out with him was every time we would come across and we saw so many herds of buffalo. I mean, mm-hmm. this is crazy. So he said our job, you know, we all have binoculars was to check their necks and their front legs for snares. Oh. So we got put to work, which yeah. was, which was great. And the first thing we did when we went out too was, you know, we first sighting was vultures. Well, that usually means something's dead, Usually, um, yeah, yeah. right? And so that's the first thing we did was we hightailed it over to where the vultures were and there was a dead buffalo and he wanted to check, you know, he got out of the vehicle and went over to make sure that it wasn't a, a poaching incident, mm-hmm. but this poor buffalo had just gotten stuck in the mud and died. <laughs> <laughs> not the brightest bulbs, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, we talked I mean, about the rains on the last one, so I guess sudden rains, right. or mud. They they think it's safe, and they wander in, and well, there we go. Yes, exactly. And it was, you know, but it was interesting because we really watched them for a while. The buzzards. <laughs> now, <laughs> the, let me ask you, the buzzards are there. Buzzards, yeah, vultures. They call them vultures. Out. Vultures. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He got out. Are there other prey type animals that might? there or is it not because- yet oh, it right. was still early on and so the the vultures were out there and they were going to get their food until like a, a hyena or something yeah. like that would come along and then the vultures would scatter and then come back later to clean it up gotcha yeah yeah they're the I hardest mean, workers really they are the hardest workers it's true and people I don't know that, you know, you have this sort of opinion of, or, you know, what you think vultures really are, but they are so important to the ecosystem there yeah. um, in terms of cleaning off the dead, you know, and I'm going to jump ahead to one of my last experiences uh-huh. and talk about the vultures too. So 
I, I don't even remember what day it was. There were so many, we went, we went out on safari morning and evening every day that we were oh. in Hwange national park, which is different than Victoria falls. And it was, it was different whether it was five o'clock in the morning, which is when you went or four 30, just before sundown, which is also when you went PM. So we went out one morning and we were looking for the lions that the group had seen the day before. And I rested that evening before, and I missed the lions. So I was really bummed. So we were looking for the lions and we were tracking them and, um, you know, which was fun. Like, okay, here's some, here's some lion footprints. So it looks like they've gone this way. And, you know, this is kind of interesting to see that whole thing, but we ended up at another camp and back behind this camp, back behind the kitchen and in between that and one of the living quarters for the staff Mm -hmm. were two cheetahs who had brought in their breakfast. Oh, to share? Well, amongst the two of them. Amongst themselves, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Nobody else, though. No. So they were literally tucked under a tree and had this impala, is what uh, the antelope is called. It's a smaller one. And apparently, you know, cheetahs expend so much energy catching their prey that they then just rest for a while. (laughs) So they just sit there. And when they were ready, and there probably were four jeeps out there watching. Mm-hmm. So I was 15 feet from these two cheetahs. And they find shade usually right there with them, right? Yeah. The jeeps. Yes. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but 15 feet and they just, they finally get up and they wander back over to their prey and start eating. Yeah. So we sat there for probably 45 minutes to an hour watching this whole process and learning cheetahs do not eat the entire animal and what you know i was watching this whole process so they Mm -hmm. they eat the muscle and they literally leave the entrails okay and for the vultures so it's you know it's uh, they are so connected that they're like well we don't really like this piece so we're gonna leave it and the vultures were we're waiting, waiting their turn. Yeah. Well, so, if I had to run 70 miles an hour after my dinner, I, I would probably take, let, let's break that down. Kim, if I had to run at all, <laughs> five miles an hour, seven miles an hour for any food, I'd take a nap. Right. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was just very interesting. And to be that close to a cheetah. That's fantastic. Was, it, it was such an experience. We spent a lot of time being very close to a lot of animals that I would have never expected in my life. I want to go back to Victoria Falls and the anti-poaching unit there okay. and and Charles. And he he taught us a lot. So one of the first things he said to us, because you go out and you're going to laugh at this, but uh, sometimes it's hard to see elephants <laughs> in Africa. Well, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, like... Elephants can hide more than you realize. <laughs> I know you think this is funny, but um, you know you're 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 looking through the bush and you have to spot the elephants or the giraffes or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be, and it's not as easy as you think it would be. <laughs> okay. So his words to us were, "Look through the bush, not at the bush." 
Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And so I just kept saying that to myself over and over and over again, the entire time that we were with him. And when we went out on safari in Hawenge as well, mm-hmm. and it became sort of a new mantra in my head. Mm-hmm. And it, when I say that this trip was life-changing, it really was because I started to think about that in terms of the rest of my life and yeah. how we live and that we, we do tend to, I mean, you know, our phrase is like, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees, right. Mm-hmm. Which is similar. Um, but there are so many things in our lives that we're looking at too hard. You know, we're trying to focus so much on it that we're not seeing where it is we should be going. Yeah. So I, I just want to put that out there. Like this, this is part of what happened for me in Africa. Yeah. And so at the end of our day with Charles, I I asked him if I could record him. And I asked him what I felt was like a really poignant question because he's been doing this literally for over 30 years. And so I want to play that clip and we can talk about it. All right. So I do want to ask you, though, what would be your major message to the world regarding the work you're doing? Oh, just value and support or value uh, all the wilderness areas that are remaining and uh, really support any initiatives toward wildlife conservation because our wildlife is so valuable to us, uh, not just to us, but to all the future generations to come. Can you imagine a world without animals? There would be uh, no if, yeah, exactly. And if they were just people, it would be a very lonely place yes. without the animals. Uh, there's so much we can learn from nature. Uh, every day is different. Uh, just appreciate nature. I, I know part of that was hard to hear because we were literally in the Jeep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, appreciate nature. And, and the world, you know, nature can teach us so much and it really can, you know, we, we really saw a lot about how the animals work together. You know, uh, certainly there are, you know, prey relationships too, but you almost always saw zebras with the, either the wildebeests or the buffalo. So they tend to, to go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're going, whether it's a water hole or, you know, moving on to a different, different place. And so watching, watching that piece is so interesting and relevant to what we need to be doing as humans. Yeah. Two, two things struck me. Number one, he said, respect the wilderness that's left. Yes. Right. So he's, he's seeing, you know, the, 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 the loss of wilderness, the loss of habitats, right? Yeah. Um, which obviously is a big part of what he does. And then the other thing, you know, toward the end when I think you're the one that chimed in and, and he said, you know, imagine a world without animals. No animals, there's no people. Yeah. But here's the thing. If there's no people, the animals do great. If there were no right. people, animals would be fantastic. You are right. Yeah. But without an- animals, mm, no people. We, we won't survive yeah. as a species. Correct. So yeah. And the animals that are left. So one of the stories that we were told, I mean, I don't think it's a story, it's a statistic, is there used to be a million elephants in Zimbabwe. 
Just in Zimbabwe. Wow. Yeah. And now there are around 340,000 left. So that, I mean, 340,000 sounds like a lot of elephants. And we saw a lot of elephants (laughs) when we were in Huangue and a lot of babies. But the fact is it's very high. They're very highly poached. (laughs) And yeah, so they have been decimated along with many other species in Southern Africa, like the rhino. There's no rhinos that we could see mm-hmm. when we were out there. There are, I believe, I, I'm pretty sure they said it was two rhinos uh, being held in a protected space mm-hmm. um, because that's all that was left. And so if you wanted to see rhinos in Zimbabwe, you had to go to this one location where they were highly protecting these two rhinos that were left and and hoping to see something happen with them. Like, you know, get, have a baby. (laughs) So um, that, that is sad. It's just heartbreaking when you think about it. And you know, and you, you also when I thought about oh, a million elephants in Africa and two thirds of them are gone. Yeah. And when we were sitting there, the last camp we stayed at was um, at Davidson Camp, which is semi well known, and there's no fence around it. So it sits above a watering hole. And this is the other thing that's amazing to me is. They have created in these parks, big watering holes that they are pumping water from the ground via these pumping stations all over the place so that the animals have plenty of water because in the dry seasons, there's, there's not enough water for them. And so, uh, you know, there was a watering hole right in front of our tents and we were in, you know, the typical clamping tent. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) Nice. I think I sent you a picture of that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you, you haven't yet, but I'll, I'll look forward yeah. to it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we watched the elephants come and go all day long. And the three days that we were there, I saw the same herd of elephants come every afternoon to get water. Wow. Yeah. And it was like a parade. So the, the, the wildebeest would come and then the buffalo and the zebras would come and then the elephants would come. And I mean, they would, they would take turns. So it was like, again, it was a parade. So this, and this, this time period was for these guys. And this time period was these guys. It was so interesting to watch. And then antelope everywhere. And they have so many different kinds of antelope. It was kind of fun to learn the names of them. And and we would go out and we'd be like, there's a sesame, there's an impala, there's a, you know, whatever it happened to be. So it was fun. And the last night we were there, Again, no fences. So we were having dinner and it's dark and you hear crunch, 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 and it's very loud. And so we're all looking out in the darkness and there's a tree, maybe 25 feet away, mm-hmm. maybe 30. There's an elephant. Yeah. Yeah. They're Neckin. great at hiding, but not very quiet. Right. Actually, <laughs> that's not true. Okay. I learned something amazing about elephants they uh, they walk so quietly through the forest that it, it's it, it, we watch them and and you could barely hear them 
walking through the forest. So the pads of their feet are sensory and they're cushioned. And so they can also hear other animals coming through their feet. Really? Yes. And, and honestly, they were the quietest animals out there. So you could hear the giraffes walking. You could hear the wildebeest and the buffalo and the giraffes. I mean, not giraffes, but zebras. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't hear the elephants walking. That's crazy. Yeah. Except for the one time when we were in Victoria Falls Park with Charles. So we came around a corner. We'd been looking for the lions and, and elephants and giraffes and stuff. And we hadn't found any elephants yet. We did find a hippo. We found all kinds of hope. We saw some giraffes, which was amazing. And then we come around this corner and there are elephants right there on the road. Uh, you know, it's their road. So <laughs> let them. But, so we stopped and we just sat there and we were watching them for a while. And then one of the female elephants started to get a little nervous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can tell when they're nervous, they start flapping their ears differently. Yeah. And, and their ears actually cool their bodies. Mm -hmm. So I just learned so much about elephants, probably more than you wanted to know. But <laughs> so we're, we're, you know, and we're like, okay, well, let's, let's back up. So Charles starts backing up the Jeep and then we hear trumpeting and it's behind us. And all of a sudden we were literally in the middle of an elephant stampede. Oh, I, that was the only time I was actually scared. Mm there when we were in Africa, because they, something spooked them down by the water. And so a whole nother group of elephants just came barreling Rushing by us. Yeah, yeah. On both sides. And there was this big bull elephant right behind the truck. And we were just, Charles was like, just don't move. Just sit here We're we can't move. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it was crazy. That was the only, again, it was the only time I was worried and scared even you know watching cheetahs eat breakfast yeah. didn't scare yeah. me as much as that did so yeah it's 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 amazing and the the conservation efforts that they have going on in all of these areas in these different parks is is phenomenal so you know i just talked about the loss of elephants right there's also a problem on the opposite side of that, so in some areas, like in, in the major part of Hwenge, the elephants are knocking down so many trees that the the giraffe don't have anything to eat. And so in Hwenge, you don't see as many giraffe as we did in, in Victoria Falls Park. So they, even though there are, you know, two thirds fewer elephants, they actually have been working on ways to get birth control to the elephants. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's actually too many elephants in this one small area. Okay. They need to spread them out. So they, you know, relocation is hard, but they are trying to do that. But yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Elephant um, birth control. <laughs> so more than I thought I'd learn on this podcast, Kim. <laughs> yes, but it's apparently possible. But I am going to say we saw the most adorable baby elephants. A couple of them were only, uh, according to our guide, one or two days old. Oh, my goodness. You haven't seen anything until you've seen an elephant so tiny 
it can barely reach to drink its mother's milk. Wow. Cause it's just so young. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the conservation piece is important for so many reasons. They have to, to work on the, the land and the animals for other animals yeah. uh, and, you know, also keeping these spaces open and also, and mitigating the problems from the legal hunting. So yeah, it's a lot. So there's illegal hunting, poaching, and then there's the legal hunting. And, you know, both of those things are are big problems mm-hmm. in Southern Africa. And I say Southern Africa because there's, you know, multiple countries there you know, that yeah. we're talking about, not just Zimbabwe. I, I mentioned on the last podcast, we did go over to Zambia, mm-hmm. started out in South Africa. Uh, but there are some other places in that in that region that really are working on this poaching issue. So each camp, safari camp that you go to has its own anti-poaching unit. And they go out every day looking for these wire snares and looking for animals that, you know, if they, if they get a, a, a notification of a downed animal of any kind, like we did with Charles, they go out and see if it's been a poaching incident yeah. or natural causes. Let me ask you a question because movies, of course, glorify a lot of things. And my wife was very interested in in talking about your trip to Africa when we were talking about it, you know, a month or two ago until she watched the movie Beast and and that changed everything. She doesn't want to go anymore. She has no interest because, you know, lions are, you know, whatever. Anywho, but in that they were talking about anti-poaching units. How dangerous is it at this point? Did did he share that with you as far as when the poachers get caught quote unquote caught in the act or things like that. What, what's really going on? So I hope candy will change her mind, but I would, I would hope so. um, yeah. So uh, poaching is extremely dangerous to the anti-poaching units, mm-hmm. not just the animals. There are two types of poaching, uh, subsistence poaching where locals come and they uh, kill a Buffalo because they're, they want to eat the meat. Mm-hmm. That's also not allowed. Uh, those types of poachers will sometimes spend a little time in jail, get fined. They generally take the animal away from them if they catch them and they do catch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the safer poachers because <laughs> they're really just people out there looking for food. The biggest problem, and this got very bad again in during COVID when very few people were out, are the poachers who are coming from... China looking for Mm -hmm. that magical substance. That's an aphrodisiac uh, and, and, you know, killing these animals for it. So tusks, that kind of thing, which is why the rhinos are under such protected guard. You, we never went out on patrol with any of our guides without a rifle, Mm. not only for the animals, less so for the animals, but also for poachers. So Charles told us that, they changed a law a few years back and the anti-poachers, the anti-poaching units can and do shoot to kill. I I have heard that. I had heard that that law changed because of the aggressiveness of the poachers because they're more than willing to shoot at anti-poachers or anybody else who's witnessing what they're doing so that they don't get in trouble or they can continue doing what they want to do. Yes. So wow. they, they come out with AK-47s and Jeez. other yeah. high-powered rifles because that's what they're getting paid to do. And and it's 
people who don't live in Africa paying the locals to do mm-hmm. it, but they are heavily armed. And so they they can and and do shoot to kill. I did not ask Charles how many times he's done that. I didn't want to know. No, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just didn't ask him. But it's it, you know it, it has to be that way mm-hmm. to protect the animals. So yeah. Yep. You're. Yeah. I mean, you're. You're probably. There's probably more danger from those types of poachers than there were from animals. Yeah. Elephant stampede aside. Yeah. <laughs> besides that one. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a big problem, and you know something that I would like to support. You know, in terms of these anti-poaching units, and every time we would stay at a camp, we were actually supporting that because you know we were paying for that. And, yeah. You know, you're part of what you pay for goes to that because it's the camps themselves. There's no government program for anti-poaching. The government doesn't really do anything about it. And so it's, you know, important to yeah. have someone doing it. Um, a couple of last impressions I want to say. If you can go to Africa, not only should you go see Victoria Falls, which is one of the seven wonders of the world, mm-hmm. but going on safari and seeing these animals so close and personal will change your life. And you got to look through the bush, not at the bush. Good point. Yeah. Anything else? Well, I could talk about the animals for so long. Like I tried to start making a list of all the animals I saw and it was kind of a crazy list. So I could go through that real quick. If you want, we saw wildebeest, which are my favorite. They're ugly. Everybody called them the leftover parts animals because you know, they no copies. Uh, what? No copy? Have you, I don't, did you seen one of those? I don't know what that was. Okay, now people can Google that. We won't talk about it on the podcast. Okay, Google I'm gonna Google, Google it too. So yeah. we saw we saw warthogs and baby warthogs. Oh, nice zebras, elephants, of course, giraffes with babies, all kinds of uh, you know antelope. So many different types. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, oh, we saw a very, very, very poisonous snake one day hanging from a tree wow. <laughs> that we were All going right. to drive under. And the, I mean, the guides—they're good. So he stopped because he saw it. We didn't see it till he pointed it out. And then he got out and threw sticks at it until it fell out of the tree because he said it's so poisonous yeah. that yeah. if it fell into the jeep, we would probably not survive. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay. I hope he gave <laughs> I him a big that. tip. He should have right. gotten a tip for that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Eagles, the vultures, so many kinds of birds. Yeah. Um, the the lions, which most of the group saw but me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, which also came very close to the the Jeep. Like there's a video of them. Mm. And this is again the don't move. Just sit here yeah. <laughs> while they walk by. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, and it was an amazing trip working with the the girls' clubs, and then seeing the conservation efforts that are going on with water systems there, and and with the animals. So, so let me ask you fun. this: on on the last podcast, you had spoke about you know this is coming out at the end of the year, and people are looking to uh, you know do some yeah. planning. And so that was on the last podcast, you mentioned the, the girls clubs, which is fantastic. Right. Um, do you have there, any connections? There we go. Go ahead. Yes. So with Charles and the anti-poaching unit in 
in Zimbabwe and Victoria Falls Park. The, again, they are supported by larger organizations and personal donations. So I'm going to see if I can find for the notes for the show a link to that donation page. If we can't find it, I would recommend highly looking up anti-poaching units and how to support them because, again, so important. Well, Kim, this has been fantastic. I look forward to seeing that link. Um, you shared so much. We learned so much, but I've got one more fact for you because you, you brought so many facts to the table. <laughs> and I'm, it's about elephants. Okay, I'm ready. The very last one. Yeah. Elephant is the only mammal who can't jump. The only one? Huh. It's the only mammal who can't Hippos? jump. Hippos? Hippos? They can jump. They... Absolutely. Yeah. Well, they're fast. That I know. Yeah. And um, they're scary. Yes. They're, so scary. they're very dangerous. Huh. That well, is go. fascinating. Yeah. Elephants are really, really interesting animals. The fact that they can walk so quietly hmm. through the bush blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, again, we, we talked just a little bit about charitable planning. We talked a little bit about, um, you know, what, what people can do. Uh, if they want more information from you, can you just give me your contact info real quick? Yeah. If anyone wants more information about my trip or how to make donations to either the Global Sojourns Giving Circle or some local to the area anti-poaching work, please email me, Kim at horizonssfs.com. And of course, both Johan and myself can help you with all of your sustainable investments if you want to make sure that we're doing better on this planet mm -hmm. for the animals and the people. Absolutely. Kim, again, thank you so much. Thanks, Eric. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I agree. And our last thank you, of course, is always going to go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Greg O'Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you rate this podcast, share it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Horizons S U S T F I N or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.